Hey, good morning, Salt Church. I love when TJ does the welcome time because you never know what you're going to get. So we'll see about that snow machine as the guy that oversees the budget. It's doubtful, but we'll see what happens. Uh, join us. It's going to be, those are just going to be special services, and we're going to look forward to doing that together in just a couple weeks. Um, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving week. Even in a crazy year, we have a lot to be thankful for. And so I hope this past week was a time of just celebration, a little bit of relaxation, and a chance to just reflect on the good things that God has done. It's good for us to slow down and to spend some time reflecting and to praise God for the good gifts. Um, I don't know about you. I know for me, I can find myself in those times of reflection, both being thankful for the good things, but also remembering sometimes the negative parts, the negative experiences and emotions. We don't always go to happy memories in times of reflection. Sometimes we can find ourselves in one of those quiet moments, actually looking back with some disappointment or some regret. Right? None of us likely have to think too hard to remember things we wish we wouldn't have done. Right? Just this past week, it doesn't take me very long usually to think about things I wish I wouldn't have done. I spoke harshly to my kids and to my wife. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I regret that. In my past, it was a struggle with sexual immorality or dishonesty. Even now, there are regular struggles with pride or impatience or frustration or anger or greed, right? And when I act on those struggles, when those turn into actions, I again find myself in that place of regret. And I imagine for you, you probably have a similar story Right? It, it seems like no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we try to work and the things that we try to do, it's a struggle to get off of this long road of regret. And I'm just going to pause for a minute while the fire and rescue truck slowly drives by. We'll let that clear. This is like a hell. If you've been to Salt Company on Thursday nights, helicopters fly by. That's a similar experience. It, it seems like church, no matter how hard we try, we can find ourselves continuing to struggle on that road of regret. When we reflect, when we look backwards, we can feel like it is just one regret after another, after another that kind of lines the path we've walked. So what about you this morning? What about you? What are those things? What is along your kind of road of regret? those decisions in the past that you wish you wouldn't have made, the struggles that you currently have around you, bad decisions, bad choices, things that you regret. What is that for you? And here's the question that's maybe even more important and maybe more helpful for us today is this. Why can't we find another path? Like how do we get off of that road of regret that we struggle with? Why can't we just leave that life of sin behind? those constant struggles, those regular failures. Like how do we get off of that road and find a better way? That's our goal this morning. We're gonna look to the text in Matthew chapter 14 this morning, and I believe it can help us. I believe it can give us hope to leave those regrets behind. So go ahead and open your Bibles, Matthew 14. We are right in the middle of this walk through the book of Matthew that we've been on for a while. And we see in Matthew 14, we're going to read the first 12 verses today, but we'll take just a couple verses at a time and unpack it as we go. So Matthew 14, I'm going to start in verse one. 
At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. This is John the Baptist, he told his servants. He has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. All right, pause for just a second. We meet Herod, and Herod is going to be kind of our main character for this morning. But before we kind of even unpack who this Herod is, we need to give a little clarity. Because if you read the New Testament, you'll see this name Herod show up quite a few times, actually. So I want to talk about which Herod this is. In the book of Acts, a few books later, you're going to see Herod come up a couple times. It's not this one, okay? It's a relative of his, but it's not him. Earlier in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 2, we saw a guy named Herod get tricked by the wise men and then order the murder of all the babies around Bethlehem in an attempt to kill Jesus. That's also not this Herod. It's his dad. Now, unfortunately, we're going to learn today the apple doesn't really fall very far from the tree. He's not a great guy either. Herod the Tetrarch, that's the name that we see here. He's called elsewhere Herod Antipas. He's introduced in chapter 14, and he's going to be the same Herod that we see in the rest of the book of Matthew, in the rest of the story of the Gospels. And while this Herod didn't order the killing of a bunch of babies, he still had a lot of regrets. He still made a lot of bad decisions. And that's the lesson that we're going to try to learn from his life today. Right? Sometimes when you open scripture, you see an example, you see main character and the application is like, just do what they did, right? They live such a godly life. They do what they were supposed to do. And so we say, just follow their example. And then other times you open scripture and you see the life of somebody and the application is do the opposite, right? Do the opposite of what they did with their life. That is Herod. We don't want to follow his path. Herod hears about Jesus. Verse one tells us that. This report about Jesus, the miracles he is performing, the teaching that he is giving, these incredible acts that Jesus is performing around them. And so he hears about what Jesus is doing and he wonders, could this be John the Baptist who has come back to life? Could this be John the Baptist who has been murdered? And here's where some clarity is needed. Here's, here's some clarity because he's then gonna tell the story of John the Baptist and John the Baptist seems alive for a while. Right? This is actually, if you've seen a movie where you see a character having a flashback, where they're in the present time and then something sparks their memory and they think back to something that happened in the past. That's what's going on in Matthew 14. Herod hears about Jesus and wonders, could this be John who I thought I killed a while ago? Keep reading. Verse three. For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Since John had been telling him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Though Herod wanted to kill John, he feared the crowd since they regarded John as a prophet. All right, here's where things start to get a little messy. All right, and we begin to see Herod's kind of family reputation kind of come to light and begin to shine. So Herod... He had taken his brother Philip's wife to be his wife, not kosher. You're not supposed to do that, right? And so John tells him like, hey, you shouldn't do that. That's not a good idea. It's not godly. It's not the right thing to do. You should not have this woman in your house as your wife, right? John boldly stands for what's true. 
He boldly stands for what is righteous, even to this guy who is in power with authority to harm him. And he says, Herod, that's not okay. That's not what you should be doing. John is continuing to proclaim the message that he has been proclaiming since we first met him. What was that? Repent. That's the message that John has been bringing. Repent, turn from your evil ways because the kingdom of God is here right now. Like Jesus is here, repent. And so he says to Herod, repent. And it lands him in jail. Herod locks him away. And it appears that Herod wants to go even further, that Herod wants to kill him. But here's what we find in Mark chapter six. I don't know if you're aware of this, but often there are stories told in multiple gospel accounts. And it's helpful to read each one because they point out different things. They color in different truths. And here's what we find over in Mark 6. We'll put these verses on the screen so you don't have to flip there. Mark 6, starting in verse 19. So Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not because Herod feared John and protected him knowing he was a righteous and a holy man. When Herod heard him, he would be very perplexed, or the word that's used there is like intrigued. And yet he liked to listen to him. So Herod's angry, but Herodias is even more angry. She has been confronted with her sin. She has been told that what she is doing is not godly. It is not right. And it makes her angry. She doesn't like that. You, you and I can relate to that, can't we? None of us likes to be told that what we're doing is wrong, that what we're doing is not okay. We don't like the shame and the embarrassment that comes with being told that we're not godly, that we're not pursuing righteousness. My wife can kindly and gently and patiently present something to me that is not right. And I'll still react with frustration and anger sometimes. It's not her fault. It's my fault. We don't like to be told we're wrong. None of us do. Something about John's message intrigued Herod, and yet Herodias was furious. She wanted to find a way to kill him, and so she came up with a really twisted plan to do that. Read what that is, starting in six. This is where it gets extra messy. When Herod's birthday celebration came, Herodias's daughter danced before them and pleased Herod. And so he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she answered, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. Although the king regretted it, he commanded that it be granted because of his oaths and his guests. So he sent orders and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. And then his disciples came, removed the corpse, buried it, and went and reported to Jesus. That's where it gets messy. Right? Herod had a birthday party. But here's what we must understand. This is not a birthday party like the ones that you and I go to. Or at least we better not be going to ones like this. These birthday parties were known all throughout the land to become these huge parties that would be huge drunk fests, right? And then later on in the evening, the party would turn even darker. After they consumed all the food and had a bunch of wine and everybody was feeling good, then they would bring in all the girls and they would dance for the men. Herodias 
in her burning anger to see John killed, sent her daughter into that environment. Her own daughter went into that place of evil just so that she could get John. Her sin had been confronted. Her unrighteousness had been thrown out, had been pushed against, had been called out in front of other people. And she was furious and she was angry. And so she sent her daughter into the midst of that evil simply to get back at John. It's unbelievable. Well, her plan works. Her plan works. And Herod offers to give Herodias's daughter whatever she wants. The accountant Mark says that he said to her, to this girl, I will give you up to half of my kingdom simply because you brought me pleasure. And so she goes to her mom and says, mom, what should I ask for? And her mom says, I want John the Baptist's head. So she goes back and she tells Herod, and now Herod is caught. He's caught. He's intrigued by John. He's curious about this message of truth. And so far he has fended off Herodias's anger and frustration and kept John alive until now. And he's caught. He doesn't want to be embarrassed. He doesn't want to break his oath. And so he gives in and he caves and he makes a decision that he would regret for the rest of his life. His regret would cost another man his life. See, Herod like dabbled in the truth a little bit. He was intrigued by it. He listened to it. But ultimately, he denied it. Ultimately, he went the other way. John, ironically, stood for the truth. He stood for the truth no matter what it would cost him, and it cost him his life. I hope Herod regretted that decision. I believe that he did. And if he didn't while he was on this earth, I can guarantee the moment he stepped into eternity, he had regrets. He wishes he would have done that differently. We all have decisions like that, don't we? And maybe we haven't had somebody beheaded, but we've all made mistakes. We've all done things we wish we wouldn't have. We look backwards and we see choices and decisions that wish we, we wish we could have back. And it leaves us with regrets. I remember when I was a sophomore in college, I joined a connection group at Salt Company at Iowa State decades ago. Right? And I remember being actually fairly nervous to show up to group the very first time. Uh, it was just, it was something I hadn't done much before. So I was a little nervous going and I went to this apartment and I opened, I knocked on the door, the dude opened it and he was the most stereotypical California surfer dude you could ever imagine. He said bro hundreds of times that night. Like it just kept coming and kept coming. It seemed kind of weird, but whatever. Went into his apartment. He walked back towards the back of the apartment. There was a bedroom not being used as a bedroom. He opens the door and it's beanbag chairs everywhere. The lights were off and there were candles lit. This is a guy's connection group, just to, again, give you context. It was weird. It was weird. And then group got started, and it actually got even weirder. So one of the guys in our group was, like, boldly putting himself out there, sharing about the struggle of lust that he had been going through lately. And here's where the leader interrupted him and said, hey, here's the thing. I believe women are one of God's finest creations. And so when we look at them, we're actually, like, worshiping God, not sinning. <laughs> 
It was weird. I, I left that night and never went back. And I actually look back and don't regret never going back to that group because it was really weird. Here's my regret. I didn't just say no to that connection group. I said no to all connection groups at Salt Company for that entire year. Like I removed myself from an opportunity for Christian community. Like I stepped away from having people in my life that would help me pursue Jesus, that would push me on a path towards righteousness. I regret that decision because I didn't have anybody that was confronting my sin. I didn't have anybody that was walking with me towards purity and holiness and towards Jesus. And I needed that. I still need that. And saying no to that type of community, saying no to that type of accountability, it allowed me to continue to struggle in my sin, making bad decision after bad decision, leaving me with regret after regret. We all make bad decisions. We all have regrets. Herod surely did. He had John the Baptist beheaded. This man that was speaking truth in a way that was intriguing to Herod, in a way that made him perplexed. And it made me think this week, as I was spending time in this passage, it made me wonder. I wonder how often Herod thought about that. I wonder how often, in a quiet moment of reflection, I wonder how often he thought back and said, man, I should have done that differently. Maybe that wasn't okay. It makes me think that because in verse one, when Jesus hears what's going on with Jesus, his first thought is maybe this is John the Baptist coming back from the dead. The most illogical option that there could have been. And he thinks maybe John's back. And if so, I wanna see him. Look with me at Luke chapter nine. I'm gonna read from verse seven, verses seven through nine. Herod the Tetrarch heard about everything that was going on. He was perplexed because some said that John had been raised from the dead, some that Elijah had appeared, and others that one of the ancient prophets had risen. I beheaded John, Herod said, but who is this I hear such things about? And then here's the question, or here's the statement he makes. And he wanted to see him. Herod wanted to see Jesus. I think he was still intrigued. I think he was still perplexed. He wanted to see Jesus, but Herod doesn't get to for a long time. He doesn't get to until the very end of the story of Jesus. Look with me from Luke 23, the end of the gospel of Luke, the end of the story of Jesus, starting in verse six. When Pilate heard this, he asked if the man was a Galilean Finding that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, this is the same Herod, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem during those days. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. For a long time, he had wanted to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some miracle performed by him. So he kept asking him questions, but Jesus did not answer him. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And then Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt, mocked him, dressed him in bright clothing, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Previously, they had, be, they had been enemies. Herod finally got to see Jesus. He wanted to see him perform a miracle. 
He wanted to see him do a trick, to hear him speak. He kept asking him questions, but look at those haunting words in the text. Jesus did not answer him. Herod was intrigued by this message of John. He was curious about the works of Jesus. He wondered about this message of truth, but ultimately he denied the truth about Jesus. And so Jesus denied him. So Herod sent him off to be killed. I think Herod regretted that decision. All we see of Herod in scripture is bad decision after bad decision. And it should have left him with regret after regret. And if he never got off that road of regrets, if he never turned around, if he never repented, he continued down that road, that wide road that led to an eternity in hell. But it makes me wonder, makes me ponder, at the beginning of our story, could it have been different for Herod? What would have happened when John the Baptist confronted him What would have happened when he was shown his way of error? When the truth was pointed out and it was shown to him that he was far from the truth, he was far from righteous, that he was going the wrong way. What would have happened if he would have said, John, actually you're right and I'm wrong. What might've been if he said, God, would you forgive me? Herodias, you should go back to my brother and be his wife because you are his wife. What could have happened What might his life have been like? We'll never know. We aren't sure. We probably can't speculate, but here's what we know is true. He didn't repent. He didn't. And his life was filled with regrets. A godly man came to him in love and said, Herod, the path that you are on is not a path of righteousness and goodness. It is a path of evil. Repent turn back, come back towards Jesus. And Herod looked at John and he said, no. Then he locked him up in prison. Listen, you and I probably don't have the power to get people locked up in prison when they confront our sin, even if we would like to, right? But we can be just as defiant. We can be just as arrogant. We can ignore them just the same. We can push away all the people that care enough about us to confront us. And if we live like that church, that will lead us down that long road of regrets. Our big idea for this morning, if you're taking notes, I would love for you to leave with this truth. And it's this, refusing to repent leads down the road of regret. Refusing to repent leads down the road of regret. Arrogance and pride and self-dependence, they are the fuel that propels us down that road. They are what pushes us down that path to run faster and move quicker down a path of destruction, brokenness, hurt. Church, we all make mistakes. We all screw up sometimes. We've all had struggles in our past. And I'll make a bold prediction about your future and about my future that I'm pretty confident in. We're going to screw up again. Probably today, if not today, for sure this week. 
And here's the lesson that we should learn from the life of Herod. It's not that we have to be perfect all the time because we can't. The lesson that we need to learn is to do what Herod didn't do. Repent. Repent. Admit when we're wrong. Ask for forgiveness. Lose the stubbornness and the pride that causes us to lash out at others rather than lean in and listen closely. Repent, turn the other way and pursue what's right, pursue what's good. I don't look backwards in my life with huge regrets over a bunch of one-time mistakes that I immediately knew I was wrong and asked for forgiveness and went the other way. I look back with regrets over the small things that became bigger things, that became patterns in my life because I didn't invite accountability. I didn't include or didn't respond rightly to it. That's what allows those small things to become big things, to become patterns, to become regrets. Herod went down that path. He went down that road. He rejected Jesus. And in the moment when he sat across from Jesus and he was begging him to say something, he was asking him to do something, Jesus didn't respond to him. Herod rejected Jesus, and so Jesus rejected him. And so Herod sent Jesus to his death. First he got John killed, and now Jesus. And I believe Herod regrets that decision. And while he should, he should regret the killing of Jesus and his part in it, when you and I think about the killing of Jesus, we actually should rejoice because of what happened there. Jesus didn't deserve to be executed, but he was. Jesus didn't deserve to be hung on that cross, but he was. He was so that you and I could experience forgiveness, so that you and I could have grace, so that if you and I, if we would repent and believe the good news of the gospel, that we could have abundant life forever. And when we understand that beautiful reality, when we place our faith in Jesus, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. And not just of the little things, not just of the current things. We are forgiven of all of our past, all of our failures, of all of our regrets. Because of that beautiful reality, we can look backwards maybe disappointed in the choices we made, but not condemned, not guilty. We can be free. Refusing to repent. It leads down a long road of regret. And if we never repent, we will follow that path to an eternity in hell. But by the mercy and the grace of Jesus, we can follow a different path. We can go a different way. And here's the crazy truth about repentance, church. The incredible truth about repentance is that the power of this act, it doesn't lie in our ability to understand our mistakes and ask for forgiveness. The power in the experience of repentance is that when we ask for forgiveness, we are given it immediately, completely, fully. I don't care, church. I don't care what the road behind you looks like. I don't care what the path around you right now looks like. 
through Jesus, because of grace, you can be forgiven. You can be free now, today. So here's a simple application for today. If you've never repented and placed your faith in Jesus, the invitation is open for you right now, today. Believe in him. Your road doesn't have to continue to be lined with regrets. You can be free. Simply repent and believe in the message of the gospel. For many of you, you've done that before. You've prayed that prayer. You've been baptized. And so here's the question that I want to ask you by way of application today. Here's the question. When is the last time you repented? When's the last time that you recognized the sin in your life? That your heart was broken by your life not reflecting the life that Jesus wants you to live? So you ask for forgiveness You turned and ran the other way towards Jesus, away from sin. When is the last time that you repented? If it isn't recently, I'm guessing that's not because you haven't sinned or because you haven't failed or struggled. If nobody around you is confronting the sin in you, Again, it's probably not because you don't sin. It's likely because you maybe don't have good enough friends that care enough about you to confront you. Or, and this is probably more true, you haven't postured your heart and your mind and your words and your reactions. You haven't put yourself in a place that says, confront me, challenge me, hold me accountable, point me to Jesus, call me out of my sin, help me. Help me. Church, we all have people in our lives that are known by their failures, right? They're they're known by the sinful patterns in their lives. That's true probably for most of us, right? Oh, there's angry Joe. The dude's grumpy all the time. He's always frustrated, always lashing out at people. There's Sally, the gossiper, right? If you don't want somebody to know something, don't tell Sally. She tells everybody everything she ever hears. There's Jack, you know Jack. All the girls love Jack. He loves all the girls, right? Like we know people or we are people that are known by the patterns of sin in our life. But what would it look like? Do you think, dream with me for a minute, church. What would it look like if instead we were known by a pattern of repentance? By admitting our failures and asking for forgiveness, turning and running the other way. What would it look like if moms and dads were known to their kids as ones that would repent first rather than being frustrated and angry? What would it mean if our neighbors and coworkers saw us like own our mistakes and ask for forgiveness? Imagine church, imagine the kind of impact that we could have on this city if the people in Gainesville said, man, Salt Church, they're not perfect, but they believe they serve a God who is so that they don't have to be. That would be a place and a people that this city would long to be with and long to be a part of. Church, let's be a people that leads the way with repentance. Because I believe if we do that, we will help people step off of that path that is headed for destruction, lined with regrets. And we will give people a vision for something that is far better, that is far greater. The freedom that comes, walking in the light, 
admitting our struggles, asking for help, and running after Jesus. Let's be that kind of church. Pray with me.